What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and she said, first, let's talk about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Here's a quick synopsis. Down to the last of his nine lives, the legendary feline Puss in Boots goes on a quest for a wishing star to make a wish and regain his other eight lives. The film stars Antonio Banderas, Selma Hayek, Florence Pugh, John Mulaney, Olivia Coleman, Ray Winstone, Harvey Guillen, Samson Cayo, and Wagner Mora. Standout performances. It's weird to say this out loud, but it's true. Antonio Banderas has been a longtime fixture in children's entertainment, beginning with Robert Rodriguez's Spy Kid films, where he plays Gregorio Cortez, a man who hides the fact that he and his wife are spies from his kids, and then when they all find out, the four are spies together. And then he's played the fairy tale character Puss in Boots in three of the Shrek movies and I loved the friendly rivalry his character had with Donkey voiced brilliantly by Eddie Murphy. Throughout my life he's been a prominent figure in family entertainment and he's also impressed me in supporting roles in more dramatic movies. For example, Interview with a Vampire with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, Ruby Sparks with Paul Dano and Ned Benning and Zoe Kazan, and The Laundromat with Meryl Streep and Gary Oldman. I also really like Banderas as the villain of Uncharted with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. For his work as Puss in Boots, he's far and away the best character added after the first Shrek movie. Banderas has a role in the upcoming film Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the fifth film in the Indiana Jones franchise and the first one not directed by Steven Spielberg and presumably the last one starring Harrison Ford. Hard not to be nervous about this one. You want this character of Indiana Jones to get the perfect ending and I love director James Mangold who gave Wolverine the perfect send-off so we thought this movie is either going to be great or bad there's going to be no in-between there are two new character additions I really liked in Puss in Boots The Last Wish the first one being Jack Horner the villain of the film who is vindictive over the fact he's not magical the character is voiced by John Mulaney who is best known as a stand-up comic but has recently done a lot of voice acting in Netflix's Big Mouth is Andrew, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse's Spider-Pig, and in Chippendale Rescue Rangers as Chip. What I liked about the original Shrek movies is they had a fun villain character. Lord Farquaad, voiced by John Lithgow, the fairy godmother, voiced by Jennifer Saunders, and Prince Charming, voiced by Rupert Everett. And Mulaney's Jack Horner is definitely in the list of fun bad guys. The other new character I enjoyed was Goldilocks, voiced by the brilliant Florence Pugh. This version of the character has become a thief along with the Free Bears, and Goldilocks wants the magic star to make a very personal wish. I don't want to spoil, she's a very fun character. Pew overall had a good 2022. I liked two of her free movies, The Wonder and Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. I was a kid when the first run of Shrek movies came out and they felt new and fresh compared to the popular Disney and Pixar movies at the time, but by Shrek the third they began to feel very predictable and I hated the fourth Shrek movie and the first Puss in Boots film that 
that came out in 2011 is as average as an animated movie can be with absolutely nothing special whatsoever. And we all thought we were done with that world and that character of Puss in Boots. But this film really reinvigorates it. It's got a flashy style. It looks amazing. And it has ton of originality for a sequel. It found the sweet spot between being a movie for kids and being interesting to adults. As well, the movie is sort of about one's mortality, which of course is super relatable, and in a way it's similar to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. 2022 was a fantastic year for DreamWorks Animation, the company behind not only the Shrek films, but other big animated franchises as well. How to Train Your Dragon, Kung Fu Panda, Madagascar, Trolls, and The Croods. Next to Pixar, they've been one of the dominant animation studios of the last 20 years, not only commercially, but also critically. Two of their films have won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature, Shrek and Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, and countless others have been nominated, and in 2022, they've had Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and The Bad Guys, what I believe to be two of the best animated films of the year. I would not be mad if either ended up winning Best Animated Feature at this year's Academy Awards. When it comes to Puss in Boots' The Last Wish Oscar chances of winning Best Animated Feature, I think there's absolutely no chance it's going to get nominated, but the winner is going to be Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, and I'm not mad about that either. I think that movie is brilliant, but I also think Puss in Boots' The Last Wish deserves to be in the conversation as one of the best animated movies of 2022. And you can't help but watch this movie and imagine the idea of Mike Myers returning to voice the character of Shrek. I love the Shrek movies and if the movies are going to add originality to those movies then of course I want the character to live on. I would love to see Cameron Diaz voice Fiona again. One of the reasons I had such low expectations for a sequel about Puss in Boots is because I grew up in the era of low rent animated sequels. The Lion King got a direct-to-video sequel that not a lot of people have seen. Animated sequels were not always good, and one of the few only good ones was Shrek 2. I mean, I saw that movie as a kid, and I was like, wow, this is just as good as the first one, maybe even better. But that's a real rarity. I mean, how many animated sequels are any good? I've, I mean, I've seen The Incredibles 2. I thought that was a great movie. One of the most disappointing sequels was Finding Dory. It was nowhere near as good as the original Pixar masterpiece that was Finding Nemo. Overall, though, DreamWorks does have a pretty good resume when it comes to sequels. The How to Train Your Dragon movies are all really watchable. I like the sequel to Croods, and I really have enjoyed the Kung Fu Panda films. One of the reasons I feel like there's new life in the movies of Shrek and Puss in Boots is because you can add almost any fairy tale character, like there's so many that have not been on screen yet, that you can just keep adding them. I mean, I would have never imagined... Goldilocks in a Shrek movie but here we are and it was very good like that's how these movies can last they can keep adding interesting characters and add this really cool style to it. Overall Puss in Boots The Last Wish is the right kind of sequel innovative and unique instead of a tasteless cash grab where they redo everything that worked out in the past. Like I said before I was done with 
everything and anything Shrek related. Now I kind of want to see another Shrek movie with Mike Myers and would watch another Puss in Boots movie. Not something I would ever thought I would say. And I think it's fascinating to point out that DreamWorks is having this uptick while Disney seems like it's struggling with their animated movies. Again, they had a movie in Strange World that absolutely no one has seen. Puss in Boots The Last Wish has not only been a critical hit, but it's been a financial one as well. And so was The Bad Guys. That's two hits for DreamWorks in one year. I think the Disney vs. DreamWorks rivalry is back on. And I loved when those two companies were going at it because we got the absolute best movies out of both of them. It seemed like every year when the best animated feature would come in, it would be DreamWorks vs. Disney. And I Either one of those companies would end up winning it. This year, again, I think it's going to be a Netflix movie and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, but I think in the years to come, you're going to see great movies from both DreamWorks and Disney, and that's really all you can ask for. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie She Said. Here's a quick synopsis. In 2016, two New York Times reporters, Jody Cantor and Megan Toohey, investigate decades worth of sexual assault allegations against powerful Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein. The film stars Zoe Kazan, Carrie Mulligan, Patricia Clarkson, Andre Brower, Jennifer Ely, and Samantha Morton. Standout performances. No surprise here, Carrie Mulligan is brilliant in this movie, and she's been great for a while. For me, though, she made a jump in her career with Paul Dano's Wildlife with Jake Gyllenhaal, and then with Emerald Fennell's Promising Young Woman with Bo Burnham, where she was nominated for the second time for Best Leading Actress at the Oscars and she said she's playing real life reporter Megan Toohey who before agreeing to join the investigation into Weinstein was dealing with postpartum depression and during questions what if any impact this story will have on society and it's all due to the fact that she reported Donald Trump's sexual misconduct and no one cared thankfully in this story she was proven wrong I mean I just thought of this but it's true there's kind of this weird connection between problems promising young woman and she said even though one is completely fictional and the other is based on a true story but in both movies Carrie Mulligan is playing a young woman who has been let down by society and you can even connect both movies to wildlife as well because in that movie she doesn't want to live by societal standards to what a woman is supposed to be Mulligan's next movies include Spaceman with Adam Sandler and Paul Dano, Bradley Cooper's Maestro and Emerald Fennell's Saltburn of those films, the one I'm most interested is Maestro, due to how much I loved Bradley Cooper's version of A Star is Born. That feels like if that movie is any good, Carrie Mulligan has a great chance of winning her first Oscar. And I think we're at that point of, it's time to give Carrie Mulligan an Oscar. She's been so good for so long. Drive, The Great Gatsby, the list goes on. Shame, which is a movie that not a lot of people have seen, but she's brilliant in that inside Lewin Davis. She really hasn't made a bad movie yet. Even in the ones that are just average, like Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, she's the best thing about them. Zoe Kazan is another actress I think has yet to get her due as a performer. I first saw her in It's Complicated with Meryl Streep, and she's been really good in 2010's Meek's Cutoff, 2012's Ruby Sparks, which she also wrote, 2013's The F Word, 2017's The Big Sick, and in my opinion, Kazan was the absolute 
absolute best thing about the Coen Brothers film, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs in 2018. And she said she's playing reporter Jody Cantor, who is told to look into Weinstein. The best moments for her in this movie is when she is worried that none of her sources will go on the record because she knows if they don't, some might view the story as invalid. She said also has two of the best supporting actors working today, the first one being Patricia Clarkson, whose first movie was Brian De Palma's The Untouchables, and she has since gone on to give some of my favorite supporting performances in Tom McCarthy's The Station Agent, George Clooney's Good Night and Good Luck, Craig Gillespie's Lars and the Real Girl, Martin Scorsese's Shutter Island, and Will Gluck's Easy A. She has unlimited range. The second is Andre Brower, who most people think of as a television star because of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Men of a Certain Age. He's brilliant in both of those shows, but his early movies are great. He was in Glory with Denzel Washington, Matthew Broderick, and Morgan Freeman, and Primal Fear with Richard Gere, Edward Norton, and Laura Linney. She said is a really good movie, and it's because of the way it handles its sensitive subject matter and gives faces to Weinstein's victims. The thing that I learned from the movie was how the Weinstein company used NDAs to avoid scandal and fake remorse. It's how Harvey got away with it for so long. Because all of his victims thought of the situation as a one-off. They never knew that other people were struggling with the exact same thing. So he was giving them an apology and they thought that the situation was over. He had given his forgiveness or whatever and it would never happen again. But it kept happening over and over again and none of them could talk about it because of these NDAs. They were afraid that their careers would go away or they would be stuck in these lawsuits against this gigantic corporation that was on the side of the offender in Weinstein and they would obviously be stuck there for years and eventually not be able to win the case. This kind of movie about investigative journalism has been popular for a very long time. The most famous example being All the President's Men with Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman about Watergate. You also have Spotlight with Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, and Mark Ruffalo about the scandal with the Catholic Church. The Post with Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks about the Pentagon Papers. And those films I mentioned were not only critical hits, they made bank at the box office. And that was not the case for She Said. And part of it probably has to do with the fact that those movies are about larger national social stories that everyone followed. In the case of She Said, I'm not sure how many people know who Harvey Weinstein is. Casual moviegoers don't understand this is the producer behind hits like Goodwill Hunting and was known for his campaign methods to win Oscar awards. Most famously, he helped Shakespeare in Love win Best Picture over Saving Private Ryan. Some have also looked at this movie as a weird way of Hollywood making a movie about their own failure when it comes to someone in power. Some might take this movie as Hollywood patting themselves on the back. I don't take it that way, but some might and some definitely have. I look at the movie as two New York Times reporters not caring about the story, but actually caring about making a difference in the workplace with women. Oscar chances. There is a chance she said is one of the 10 films that gets a Best Picture nomination, but I believe there's even a better chance 
Carrie Mulligan gets nominated for Best Supporting Actress. She's been nominated twice before for An Education and Promising Young Woman, and it's weird that she's running in supporting. She's clearly the co-lead with Zoe Kazan, but that's how the Oscars go. One of the critiques I've heard about this movie is that Harvey Weinstein himself does not appear in the movie. You only hear his voice, you only see his shadow, and I understand what the movie was going for. I do think, though, that you could have made a movie with one big scene with Harvey Weinstein being played by someone. Now again, maybe an actor doesn't want to play Harvey Weinstein. Maybe that's uncomfortable. I do think you could have made a movie that had more of Harvey Weinstein in it to get a sense of how cruel he really was. But of course, the counter-argument to that, and it's probably what the filmmakers thought, is this movie is not about Harvey Weinstein. It's about the women whose lives he's ruined. She she said reminded me a lot of Spotlight in this way. There's a scene in Spotlight where Michael Keaton and his team realize that they've ignored the story about the Catholic Church in the past and he didn't even realize it until then that he had the story but he didn't print it at the time and there's a moment in She Said where a character tells Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan's character that they could have had the story in the past that other outlets have ignored the Harvey Weinstein story and that's what I like most about the movie it's admitting that it's a huge victory bringing this guy down and revealing these stories so they never happen again, but it also realizes that something has been lost. All of those years were wasted and so many people didn't realize it or chose to ignore it in the first place, especially the people who worked with Weinstein. They didn't know he was that evil or they chose to ignore the fact that he was that evil. They didn't want to dig deep enough into him to realize who he really was. Overall, she said was what I wanted it to be and informed me on a subject matter that's uncomfortable, but people should know about. And I love how these two women have made an everlasting impact on not only Hollywood, but the workplace in general. One would hope nothing like this will ever happen again. There's something that's really frustrating about the state of movies right now. All of these movies are really good. She said, Fableman's, the list goes on and on, but all all everyone wants to talk about is how they do at the box office and because this movie made money means it's better than this movie and I absolutely disagree with that notion. These are movies that are not doing very well at the box office because there haven't been a lot of them lately. There haven't been a lot of she says. Even though Spotlight was a hit, it was an Oscar contender, they haven't made a lot of Spotlight since that movie. People have become accustomed to the the only movies doing well in theaters, these big studio films like the Marvel movies, like the DC movies, like animated movies, these dramas are not doing very well. There has been articles written about how the prestige movie is dying in movie theaters. And I don't really know what to say at this point. I mean, I can't really make the case that you have to see She Said at a movie theater because guess what? I waited for this movie to be streaming on Peacock before I saw saw this movie, I do kind of agree with this idea that the movie theater is for event movies. There are some movies, of course, that you want to see in a movie theater before you see them at home. And then there are other movies, and I would put She Said in this category, that you can kind of wait to see till it's on a streaming service. It's not a must-see movie in a movie theater. I think it is a must-see movie. I think it's an important movie, and I want movies like this to continue to be made, but I 
they don't have the counter argument as to why you need to see this in a movie theater. I, like many people, are seeing mostly the big movies in movie theaters and waiting for these prestige movies to come on streaming services or HBO, so I'm no better than anyone else. So how can I tell you that you have to see a movie like she said in theaters when I myself am not even seeing it there? And the reason why is you're not giving me enough time to see it. I'm not seeing movies usually in the first week or maybe even the second week. If you give a movie six weeks, I'll probably see it by the sixth week. But usually by the sixth week, a movie like she said is no longer in theater. So I have to wait for it to streaming. I'm done with this rant. Anyways, she said is a really good movie worth checking out. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I highly recommend you check out Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and she said next week on the podcast I'm talking about the movies Tar starring Kate Blanchett and Emancipation starring Will Smith. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>